I'm a big quote guy. So one of my other favorite quotes is from Associate Supreme Court Justice, uh, Justice Leonard Hand. And he said, in the United States, you know, this is oh, this is like 70 years ago. Right. There are two tax codes, one for the informed and one for the uninformed. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the podcast. This is the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart from Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. Good show lined up this week. We are going to get into our main topic here shortly. And on the docket this week, we're going to have a conversation about learning through uncommon sense. So stick around to find out what all of that means. But first, let's say hi to Mike. How you doing, buddy? What's going on? I'm doing excellent. Summer is here and it's heating up. That's right. Did you have a good uh, holiday? We're taping this just after. Uh, we're into June now, so just after the Memorial Weekend. Everything going all right? Uh, absolutely. A lot of family time and good little cookout. Oh, yeah. Cookouts are always good. I like that. Uh, well, let me ask you a question here. So uh, with the headlines that we're you know getting bombarded with on the regular, uh, more and more states and municipalities are lifting the mask mandates and loosening restrictions for, on public gatherings, to our point a minute ago about cookouts. Uh, what do you anticipate for the economy and anything you're seeing over the next few months? I know September has been like a big target date for all the, um, I guess, the stimulus type of things to you know totally go away. A lot of states are getting rid of that stuff as well, too. But what do you see? Yeah, I, th- I think there's two considerations when you think about, you know, looking at the economy going forward. And I think you need to separate it from the market a little bit. And I'll kind of tell you why. So the, the first consideration is that, you know, from today, you know, early June, going through the rest of the year, the anticipation is that it's going to be a booming economy. There's so much pent up demand, not only for travel and leisure and purchasing, but our kind of personal balance sheets from not spending a lot of money, you know, going through kind of the whole pandemic are pretty well firmed up. So there's going to be a lot of spending. And we're already starting to see that with, that's why inflation's creeping up. There's supply chain issues, all these kind of things, because it's, you know, we're kind of trying to get that economic uh, train, you know, started slowly out of the track. So second half of the year, the economy itself should continue to boom. Now, the second consideration of that is that we have to kind of look at a market side and say, but is that built in? So at the time of this taping here, markets on average, if you just look at the indexes, are up about 10 to 12% or so for the year. So what you have to start wondering is markets are forward looking. So although the economy is anticipated to keep booming in the second half of the year, has a lot of that already been built into the first half of the year performance Mm. as the markets going through the winter and even the spring have started saying, okay, this is what we anticipate happening, you know, six, 12 months from now. And it looks like it's going to. So now are the markets going to look past that and start looking into spring 22, summer 2022, where now all of a sudden the comparisons are going to be a little bit more difficult because now that'll be a full year of uh, the economy reopened. So, you know, as far as the economy goes, as they lift the mass mandates and restrictions are loosened for public gatherings and other things, it should be a boom for the economy. We just want to tread carefully from a market perspective to make sure that it hasn't already been built in and make sure that the assumptions that we have about future market performance and how we're positioning are based on what's around the corner, not just what's already in front of us. Now, that's a good point, thinking about is it kind of baked in to begin with, so a really good way of looking at that. 
And I think that kind of flows nicely, Mike, into our topic, main topic this week, which is you know learning through uncommon sense. And I mentioned that earlier because I've got some statements, I've got some things here that are pretty common sense. I think most everyone agrees with these. Uh, but when we look at actually how we behave with them, well, it seems a bit uncommon, right? So, uh, for example, we'll just since you were talking about the market, let's just kind of stay there with prices being you know kind of. Uh, pre-baked in, if you will. And we're supposed to, we know we're supposed to buy low and sell high. We know we're supposed to do that, you know, yet the market's, you know, obviously continuing to stay at these high numbers. And yet we find people constantly doing, I mean, and it's not just now, right? I mean, it's been going on forever. People tend to buy when it's high because they don't want to miss out anymore. That's this FOMO thing, right? This fear of missing out. Uh, and then we panic when something happens like the pandemic and the initial downturn there. And we, we jump out at the very bottom when we, or not even the very bottom. We jump out before it gets to the bottom, right? So we, we just do the opposite, even though we know we're supposed to buy low and sell high. Yeah. So when it comes to investing, investors, individual people are their worst, uh, their own enemy. And the reason why is, and it kind of goes back to just how we're wired as humans is, you know, for survival purposes, the last you know, million years, it's fight or flight. Right. And it's all about survival. So if you think about it, there's a mem- meme going around on, you know, Twitter that says, hey, look, it's this easy. And it basically shows the market cycle. It dips and says buy here and then a top, you know, sell here. Mm-hmm. It's that easy to invest because that's the way it's felt for the past decade, because people kind of forget that the markets go both directions. Right, right. So so, so the buy low and sell high comes out to be that, and, and you alluded to it a little bit, is, you know, when things are not, we're close to market highs again. You know, everything's humming along. The economy's reopening. And it just feels good to go out and buy something. It feels good to be in the market. And you see the headlines of what's Bitcoin doing and what's the stock ABC doing in this IPO. And it just feels good to be part of that herd. And you don't want to miss out. That's that FOMO you were talking about. But when there's kind of carnage going on all around you, like say, you know, March of 2020, when you know the market lost about a third of its value, 35% in a matter of three weeks. All of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, my God, I got to get out. I don't I don't know. So, and it's just exactly the opposite if you're trying to be a successful investor. Mm-hmm. And the easy way to do that and how you kind of, you know, other than just working with, you know, a good advisor to kind of hold your hand through this is to actually be in a position to say, what does my plan say? Be more process driven. What do you need to do? How are you positioned to accomplish what you're trying to so that these daily, quarterly, annual swings in the market, up or down, aren't going to derail you from where you're trying to actually go. Instead, more people are more instinctual saying, okay, it feels good, and they buy at the high, and then they sell at the low. There's a study out there called the Qualitative Investment Advisor you know, study out there that basically takes a look at the last 20 years, and they've done this for about the last 40 years. They take a 20-year look back and say, okay, what did you know an unmanaged index, just the markets in, set in general, do? So for the last 20 years, the S&P 500 has averaged a little over 6%. You know, so that's going through two bear markets and everything else. The average retail investor has averaged 2.3%. Hmm. Why? Because they buy when things feel good, which is the exact wrong time, and they sell when things are bad, which is also the exact wrong time. So you know the buy low, sell high sounds good. But one of my favorite quotes is, you know, common sense isn't always common practice. Yeah. And that's what and that's what happens. So you need to be working with somebody or have the mental fortitude to understand when it doesn't feel right. That's probably the right time to buy. 
And when things are rolling along, that's when you might want to start at least having a safety net. Yeah, well, a lot of times working with an advisor gives you that sounding board to go, you know, hey, Mike, I'm thinking about doing something dumb here. I'm, you know, talk me out of this, right? Or whatever the case is, right? Help me, help me see why I shouldn't sell. I'm panicking right now, or, you know, whatever that might look like. And so a lot of times people, that's another great reason to have an advisor to help us uh, against being our own worst enemy, to your point. Okay, so how about, uh, you know, not paying more in taxes than we have to? Well, I mean, again, pretty common sense. Nobody wants to pay more. I don't think anybody's saying, hey, let me pay more in taxes than I need to. Uh, yet, a lot of times we don't try to find the most efficient ways to go about it. Yeah, there, there are. I'm a big quote guy. So one of my other favorite quotes is from Associate Supreme Court Justice uh, Justice Leonard Hand, and he said, "In the United States, you know, and this is oh, this is like 70 years ago. Right. There are two tax codes: one for the informed and one for the uninformed. So what that means is, you know, that you need to understand, or at least work with somebody that understands the tax code, not just stocks and bonds, but also understands the tax implications in ways to legally pay the least amount of taxes." Because there are, there are ways, there are strategies, there's things you can put in place. So people, as you mentioned, they're not voluntarily signing up to pay extra taxes, but there's two plans out there. There's the government plans, which means you don't do anything and they'll just tell you what you need to pay and what you need to you know, send the check in. And then there's being proactive on the tax planning side, saying what little tweaks can I make and still be you know, on board, you know, just black and white, fully legal, and pay the least amount of tax as legally as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, that's something that isn't going to happen on its own. That's the government's plan. You know, so if you want to pay less in taxes, not just this year, but over the next 10, 20, 30 plus years, you need to have a proactive tax plan. Because one of the things that we like to show clients is, you know, when they're starting to get near retirement or in retirement, so they've saved most of the money they're going to, then we say, okay, you know, we run what's called a tax burden analysis. So let's say you've got a million dollar IRA. We'll say, okay, over the next 25 years, the government's plan is you're going to pay about $800,000 of taxes on that million dollar IRA. If you are a little proactive strategy, maybe over the next three, five, seven years to gradually pay a little bit of taxes now, you can get that down to about $220,000, $240,000. So what would you rather pay? So you know that you have to be proactive about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, And so we're talking about these uncommon sense things that we all do. This next one, surely, Mike, everybody, you know, keep costs low, right? We're all looking for deals. We're all bargain shopping a lot of the time. I mean, it seems pretty uh, standard that we're trying to keep our costs down. Yet again, when you start to dissect it, maybe not so much. Yeah, and there's and there's two areas on the keep costs low too. So one is on, uh, let's just say cost first value. You know, so I'll I'll just speak to our practice. So we charge a one percent advisory fee. Uh, we primarily use individual securities. So for most of our clients, there aren't a whole lot of other embedded fees associated with that. So it's an all-in cost, and with that, they get estate planning guidance, tax planning, tax preparation. All that's built into that one percent fee. So you know, when we're talking with somebody that's you know, let's say they're you know a Vanguard do-it-yourself or index fund kind of person, they're saying, well, you know, my Vanguard funds are only 0.3 percent. True but you don't have that sounding board. You don't have somebody that's giving you advice. You don't have somebody that's giving you tax advice, estate planning advice and all that. So, I mean, if they don't need that, by all means, they should be just an index investor. And if they're comfortable, do it themselves. But there's also value added by an advisor if you need those extra services. So it's not just investment management. It's could you save more money in your taxes? Could you have a more efficient tax estate plan? Those kind of things. Uh, The second part of keep costs low is even for those working with an advisor, 
every week clients come into our office or on a Zoom call, prospective clients, and they're like, oh, I got an advisor. You know, he's just like you, he's charging me a fee. So we'll look at it and the fee might be, you know, one, one and a half percent, whatever it is. You know, that's not a reason alone to change. But on the other side is when we look at the portfolio that he or she has them in, you know, they're also in a bunch of mutual funds that the internal fees on those funds themselves, you know, the mutual fund companies aren't doing it for free, are another half to one and a half percent. So here, use that million dollar portfolio example, you know, they think they're paying the person, you know, at one and a half percent advisory fee, $15,000 a year, but we show them that on average, those funds are also costing them another 1% a year. That's another 10,000. And here they are thinking they're paying ten, fifteen thousand dollars a year, and their true out-of-pocket expense is a little over twenty-five thousand. So you know we want to make sure it's not always about costs, uh, but if you can keep your costs lower, still get value for the advice and what's being provided, then you know sometimes there's a trade-off there. Yeah, well you know speaking of mutual funds, Mike, I'm going to pull a grandmaism here for this next one because a lot of times people will have a bunch of mutual funds and say, hey, Mike, I've got 10 different mutual funds, so I'm diversified, right? And that's kind of back to that grandma thing of not putting all our eggs in one basket. Just having 10 different mutual funds doesn't mean you're actually diversified, but a lot of people think that they are. Yeah, a lot of times these prospective clients will come in and they're like, hey, look at my portfolio. I've got 25 different funds. So that must mean that I'm diversified. You know, don't right. put all your eggs in one basket. Well, what actually happens is we run an analysis and one of the, one of the many, you know, things that we look at, you know, not only fees, but mm-hmm. one of them is called overlap. And overlap just basically means, okay, you've got all these different funds, but what do they own? Many times your advisor doesn't even know what they own. <laughs> but, you know, the software we have will break that down and we show you a report that says, yeah, you got these 25 different funds. Funds, but you realize 21 of them, the top 10 holdings are almost identical. So even though you own 25 funds, you really could probably own two or three because they're all going to do the same thing. Yeah. And that because they all own about the same stuff. So the good news on that is, hey, if it's going up, guess what? They're probably all going to be going up. The bad news is what happens when they go the other way? Mm-hmm. They're pretty much all going to be going that way too. So one of the things that you want to look at, and this even goes back to our buy low, sell high and the behavioral side of it, you know, and controlling your own emotions, is the reason you have diversification is to make sure One, that yes, your risk is kind of spread across all different asset classes, stocks, bonds, preferreds, insurance, all these different things. And the reason for that is then when things hit the fan, you're not going to be in a position to where now you need to panic because some things are still working for you. Some things might be down a little bit, but you know what? You're still comfortable. Market might be down 30 and you're down 10. Well, that's a win as long as that's a comfort level. Market's up 30, you're up 20, 25. Is that still a win? Yeah, it's a risk adjusted win. And that's the whole point of don't put all your eggs in one basket. It's not about having 30 different mutual funds. It's about having what you call non-correlated assets. So in any market condition, up or down, you still have some things working for you and you have still some things that'll protect you so you can't get wiped out in a, in a bad downturn. Yeah, and to your point about the fees a minute ago as well, I mean, if you've got all that overlap and you've got a lot of the same stuff, you're also duplicating your fees, right? You're Every time you do something, so all those mutual funds have cost to your point earlier as well. So the final one here, uh, Michael, is... Uh, really just the market timing conversation, right? I mean, it's virtually impossible. I mean, unless you're, I don't know, Elon Musk and you plan on tweeting about something and knowing that it's going to, you know, wreak havoc, you can't really time the market. I mean, most, nobody can. I mean, not, he, he can't either. I'm just making a joke, but obviously nobody can do that. No, that's true. And, and it goes back to, you know, what, what we have found, you know, every time on the podcast and the radio show and that is 
that successful long-term investment is based on having a plan that lays out a roadmap on what your expectations are. So then day in, day out, month in, year in, year out, you can point to that plan and say, am I on track? Do I have all the income that I need in retirement? And I'm being tax efficient. If something were to happen to me, is my family going to be okay? And that's process driven. That doesn't have anything to do is, you know, is the NASDAQ higher or lower today? So individuals trying to time the market, they're more performance driven. The thing is the performance is the one part of your financial plan that you cannot control. It's the one thing that most people focus on, but at the end of the day, it's the least important of everything. 95% of all of your returns are going to have to do with asset allocation, not asset location. And allocation means, are we diversified? Are we taking the risk? Are we making smart tax choices, not paying too much in taxes? That is going to be 95% of the success of your retirement going forward. It's not going to be, did I get in or out at the right time? All right. Well, that's the main part of our podcast this week here. So if you've got some questions, if you know you're doing things a little bit uncommon from the common sense, then reach out to Mike, have a conversation with him, get started. Uh, you can simply go to the website, crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. And while you're there, don't forget to drop us a line, an email question if you'd like to here on the podcast. And we're going to take one right now. So, Mike, you got a question from Mike. <laughs> He's over in Elgin. Uh, he's in the Elgin area and he says, Hey Mike, I have several old 401ks from companies that I used to work for and I'm getting tired of keeping up with the statements. Can I just combine them all into one account? Or maybe the question is, should I combine them all into one account? Yeah, Michael and Elgin, yeah, there's, there's uh, two, two, two parts of that. The first part is, should you consolidate them? The answer is probably yes. What you do is you just roll them into what's called an IRA, an individual retirement account. You want to do that into a traditional IRA because it's all pre-tax money. So just for sake of record keeping, what you want to do is probably consolidate them into one. You know, Now, where to consolidate them? Completely different conversation based on your goals and those kind of things. The second part of that would be on your question of, should you combine them? Uh, and the answer is yes. And what the IRA by combining them. So if you take a look at each one of those 401ks you have, maybe they've got 20 or 25 different mutual funds that you could choose from. But one of the considerations, Michael, and since you listen to our podcast, I assume you're closer to retirement or in retirement, is that um, you know many times as you get closer into retirement, you want to get a little bit more conservative. The problem with a lot of the 401ks, 401ks are accumulation vehicles for while you're working. It gives you the ability from your paycheck to put money in pre-tax to save for down the road 10, 20, 30, 40 years away for retirement. The problem is because they're accumulation vehicles, they're perfect for somebody trying to grow their money. They're not perfect for somebody that might want to protect their money or get income off of there. So when you look at those 20, 25 different funds, what happens is probably 20 or 22 of them are stock type funds, small caps, mid caps, international, large caps, all those things. The problem with that is you have very limited options to actually get more conservative and get a reasonable rate of return within that 401k. So should you combine them all into one? Yes, just for sake of record keeping and less headaches on your side? Yeah. And the main reason you want to consolidate them into an IRA is so that you opens up the whole universe of even more conservative options if you're a lot closer to retirement. All right, Michael, thank you so much for the question. Hopefully that helps you out. As always, folks, before you take any action, you should always check with a qualified professional on anything you hear on our show or any other. So reach out to Mike if you've got some questions. Get into the specifics of your situation. Call him at 815-526-3092. 
That's 815-526-3092. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, so on and so forth. And all of that information can be found at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Success Blueprint. Mike, thanks for hanging out with me this week. I appreciate it. Have a good week, and I'll see you in just a couple. Talk to you down the road. We'll talk to you down the road right here on the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart from Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities.